0: Oh, and welcome to The A-List, the podcast that asks the world's top advertising professionals how they got started in the business, sponsored by AdHouse Advertising School, where Zoom classes start February 15th. Get your seat before it's gone. AdHouseNYC.com. I'm your host, Tom Chrisman, Executive Creative Director at Catch and Release and one of the head ad nerds at AdHouse. In this episode, you'll hear my chat with Matt Steinwald, Executive Creative Director at Big Village, formerly Engine Group in New York City. Matt got an engineering degree at Cornell before pivoting to advertising where he uses that big brain to make smart work, including that Sopranos nickname thing on Twitter for HBO. Remember that? This is The A-List and this is Matt Steinwald. Hey, Matt
1: Steinwald. Oh, hey, Tom Crispin, how are you? (laughs) How you doing? (laughs) (laughs) this is nuts this is amazing this uh how this we just started talking about a month ago after a project and we were going off the rails and you said yeah we should do this in a podcast
0: yeah i gotta hear i gotta hear your story that's what i said and uh because i had never really uh heard your full story and uh
1: and you know we've we've been friends for a long time And you're part of the story. That's what I love about, first of all, I love the origin stories. And I love that you have this little cameo in mind that I'm excited to get to. I want to, (laughs) yeah, yes. I'm in your story. Yeah. You are in the story. I'm in your story.
0: Um, So, yeah, let's start like we always start. Let's go back. uh, Where
1: where did Matt Steinwald grow up? And what was that like? So Matt Steinfeld is Canadian. Um, my mom is French Canadian. My dad's American, but I was born and raised in Canada. Um, and, Where in, in French Canada? So uh, in Ottawa, which was kind of—it's right on the border of Quebec. It's in mm-hmm. Ontario. I—I I went to a French high school, so I'm fluent in, in French Canadian French. But I, uh, and I Ottawa I,
0: Ottawa is the capital of Canada, it's correct? The
1: capital. You got yeah. it.
0: So Washington D.C. of, in fact, your your hockey team is the Senators. Go on.
1: You got it. Yeah, the Senators came after I left, so okay. I was in Ottawa through high school, and you know, bringing this towards uh, you know a bit of a meandering path to advertising. I mm-hmm. um, I in my I had I went to an arts high school. I was a big lacrosse player. I was, I was a jock. I was, uh, I could do the science and the math. So I was pretty good in school, pretty good in sports. And I started um, drawing cars when I was bored in class. So this is senior year high school, Matt in Canada, drawing cars when he was bored in class. You get the
0: senioritis. This is the, this is what happens in senior year, right? You, you were, you're already locked in, in a college or something. And you were just like, well, I guess I got to finish
1: not even not even i oh, okay. hadn't thought about college uh, oh. too, too much um well it was, it was probably like through through high school i was a car drawer i guess yeah yeah and and so in one meeting i had with an advisor i said i'd love to design cars he said well become a mechanical engineer okay that's i guess what you do and that was it So (laughs) I think
0: you walked out of there, went home and be like, I'm going to be a mechanical engineer, everybody. You just started saying that.
1: Basically, basically. And uh, and I also wanted to I was a big lacrosse player, so I wanted to actually see how far I could go playing lacrosse. So I left Canada to study mechanical engineer and play lacrosse in the the great United States of America. That was Ah. my coming to the country. Um, and so, as I as I studied mechanical engineering and played lacrosse, um, I a few things happened. One, I was just waiting for the fun part of mechanical engineering to start. <laughs> with. I don't know how stupid that sounds now, but it never happened. Uh, Wait,
0: where did you go to school? You went to school in the United States.
1: Yeah, I went to I went to Cornell. So I squandered oh. an Ivy League education uh, to to become an ad guy. <laughs> So you went to Cornell. You
0: you were really smart, huh? You got, you got into Cornell.
1: So I got into Cornell. Well, first of all, I I I went to a lacrosse camp, yeah, uh, junior year after junior year, and uh, at Cornell because I wanted to play lacrosse. You know, D one, see see how far it could go, yeah, and. Um, they had one question after the camp. I, you know, I guess they noticed me and they they just asked me one question. They said, "How are your grades?" I said, "Well, I get A's." I said, All right, cool. Next thing I know, I'm getting recruited. I only applied to Cornell, went to Cornell, studied mechanical engineering, and then it bumped into New York City. There, you know, um, basically friends of mine from from school were going home for Thanksgiving in Canada. Uh, Thanksgiving is in October of course you know this because you know about things that are Canadian yes um, but <laughs> so I had every, all of my friends from home were back at school so I would I, I followed a friend home for Thanksgiving had an amazing time American Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday hands down and and he said let's go in the city I said sure I was just this like super naive kid from Canada we mm-hmm. go into New York City and, and and it just totally blew my mind. I, I was like determined to live in New York City, like from the minute I stepped out of the train. And then, you know, f- you know, cut to, you know, four years later, I'm starting my first job, uh, working for my friend's dad as an engineer, and thinking to myself, when is this gonna become fun? I, I just didn't like it. So you two had become an engineer. This. You had you had I finished your
0: degree. You are you are a you are a certified engineer. You could you could drive a train. No, <laughs> that's not what engineers do. Um, you 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 can design things mechanically. You you understand those those principles.
1: That was well. I did at the time uh, enough to to uh, you know get a job and you know be miserable at it for two years. But yes. Yeah. I, I understood enough to to help it was actually a cool company it was uh, it was a power company that was just trying to make the world better through like consuming less fossil fuel so so very relevant you know I, I helped the 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 founder CEO with some research he was doing you know he met with Bill Clinton and, and and it was just an incredible place if you wanted to be an engineer changing the world which which I didn't Um, so so a couple years at what
0: point did you realize that you didn't like it and you didn't want to do it? were you in college and you
1: were like you know if i would have studied industrial design so just more about how how objects physical objects like live in the world how they look how you interact with them Hmm. i think i would have loved it and i think that's where i was misguided it was you know how does a combustion engine work as opposed to look at this cool looking car uh, the the advisor didn't bother peeling back some of those onion layers. Mm-hmm. And then before I knew it, um, I was, you know, kind of one of those get it done, muscle through it four years later, two years later, six years after that conversation, I'm an engineer and I'm having a bit of a quarter life crisis. If I'm being honest, I, yeah. I you know, I had, I had, um, you know, played lacrosse at Cornell, it was, it was a big adjustment uh, compared to the way I, I, I played back at home. Um, I, I still had that itch. So I, I played a little bit of uh, professional indoor lacrosse for Buffalo. I'm a, I'm a big Buffalo guy. My, my dad's from Buffalo. I'm a Bills fan. And I tried out for the Buffalo bandits, which is their kind of professional indoor team. I made the team and I'm like, all right, I'm a lacrosse player. Um, actually back to hockey, my paychecks were coming from the Buffalo Sabres, which was kind of cool. Um, they own the, Oh, the, they the, own the, the yeah. team. Yeah. So then I was like, what am I doing? I'm getting paid $450 to get my brains bashed in, you know, uh, in Buffalo while I'm living in, in, in New York working as an engineer. And I just, I just hit all stop Tom. I was, yeah. I need to figure out what I'm going to do with my life because neither of these things are, are working out. Wow. Um, do you wish you had done things differently No
0: okay and so, you,
1: yeah what I love about advertising is that everything you do in your life, everything all your failures all your attempts, all of the struggles, the highs, the lows, the people you meet it all comes back and it's like that that's your toolkit right if you if you haven't lived and if you haven't tried all these things yeah then then where are you gonna go for? You know, inspiration, or to 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 you to to find your instincts. Where's your where, where you know, I I I paid attention the whole time. Uh, yeah, what's going on? I was very you know, without you know, I I just I love talking about this stuff with friends. I love thinking about it. Yeah, and I just carried that throughout, and I had great friends along the way to, you know, kind of guide me a little bit and yeah. encourage me to 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 while well, you're you know. Do something new.
0: When did you decide, like, all right, I need to, your quarter life crisis, like, okay, I need to change something. I need to go to school.
1: I need to, who did you talk to first? Okay. So then I spend my quarter life crisis in Montreal, spending whatever money I made. Once I've spent my money, I come back to New York because my love of New York was there and I never really lived in New York City. So I come back to New York. My little brother is now graduated and he's living in New York. And I'm, sleeping under my little brother's desk on the Upper East Side. So he's got a room that he's sharing with three, three other guys, two or three other guys. And I'm like sleeping under his desk. If he opens the door to his bedroom, it hits my head. Right. So and I'm like, I'm but I'm in New York. And I'm going to figure it out. So I, I I get a job. I get a place to live by answering a village voice ad. All my friends had roommates. It's New York City. It's expensive. I need to live with people. And I just wanted to meet people. I was there to soak in New York City. So I Village
0: Village Voice was the Craigslist of its time. It was uh it was a newspaper and everybody would wait at the newsstand for it to come out because it had all the new listings of apartments, cheap
1: apartments in it. Um, apartments, roommates, everything yeah. that's happening—it was—it was—it was kind of the thing that you that you used right yep. to to figure out where to go, what to do, and um, so I I did that. I answer an ad uh, that had a voicemail. Uh, it was it was two women looking for a male roommate, which you know was a little bit intriguing. At uh, and I and I call the number and I leave a message. I say, hey, I'm Canadian and I'm in New York and I've got a job and I need a place to stay and. I get a call back so I go and I meet these two women and uh they they were screening, you know, for roommates. I'm like, "Well, why why do two women need a room a male roommate?" And the answer which was uh which was pretty awesome is that the the loft that they were offering um was above the bathroom and it was a tiny little loft like you, you know, I had a, a suitcase and And, but it was in the East Village. It was right on eleventh street. and And it was just a really cool apartment. these These two women were were really fun and outgoing. And we just became friends. and And so, from there, I started this new job. And then what we, was
0: the job in? What was it what
1: it was, what it was um, my first job back in New York was I caught the the tail end of the dot com bubble burst. So okay. I was like, I'm here ready to make a billion dollars in some software startup as the whole thing was kind of collapsing. Right. So I, I actually taught myself how to design software from a use case. Again, it's the engineering mind. Like I can okay. help you design a software. Um, it was for like government uh, inspection software, but it was ahead of its time. It was trying to use Palm Pilots. Remember that before mm-hmm. Palm Pilots, we had to learn how to write a, yeah. a new that to use. So It was uh, it was a job that, you know, was just different than engineering. And I was going for it. And then one of these roommates, her name is Arlene, became my friend, became my girlfriend, became my fiance and is now my wife. Wow. This insane kind of meeting of 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 a friend. Uh, she's, she's the head of production at Arnold. And, and, and back then you guys cross, you didn't cross over, but she was, she cut her teeth at Cliff Freeman in part. he was a a designer turned producer at cliff. And, and she just basically said, Hey man, you, you might be good in advertising the way I think the way I am. So she, so I said, well, that's awesome. But how do you do this again? This, she's like my second career advisor, the first (laughs) person sent me in the wrong direction and 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 here's my my friend girlfriend saying go to SVA take this class take this class and she pointed me to Sal DeVito, <laughs> uh Dan Morales um you know a few other of these creative directors and then you'd go to their agency and get a brief and then come back i was floating i i was like i could do this you i don't need to be paid to do this i yeah. love I loved it from the first class at SVA. And here it is like 20 years later, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm so happy that I bumped into this, to being paid to do creative work. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. So your first class, was it, did you just know right away? Was it Sal DeVito, your first class?
1: Yeah. So Jesus. Sal was my first class. Talk yeah. about
0: Sal Devito. What's what was the what was the reputation of Sal
1: Vito and 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 how did you find him? So so <laughs> Sal Vito, um, you know, the classes were at DeVito Verde and um Still an agency. Is still around mm-hmm. and an incredible, like punchy headline. His whole thing was. You know what would you yell at someone across the street if you were standing on a on a on a soapbox? Like how would you get someone uh-huh. across the street? So he had a a perspective on how what made it what made it kind of a, a good ad. At least that's kind of what I remember twenty years later. Um, but he was he was like I don't know like just a force of nature um, and and intellectually just just super sharp. And he was not there to help you get to a place that's great if you couldn't get it he would just say read award show books i can't help you but if you started to get it like he basically was the bar he would set a bar and every week you would come in with your ads for whatever brand he gave you the week before and You could just be presenting it and he might say nothing or he would say that is so full of shit or that's terrible or what. And every now and then you get him to like react to something in a positive way. It was never Mm. great. But when he found one and, and we were just all around, he had a huge conference. At one point he got up on the conference room table, walked across at someone who was being snarky and just ripped them in front of the whole class. And I was yeah. like, everyone just knew, like, don't fuck with Sal. Like, listen and and do it his way. You're in his house, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he, uh, I remember, I, I I don't think I've ever met, maybe I met him once or twice, but uh, I just knew him by reputation. And I was like, always so like, oh, I've never taken Sal DeVito's class. So I always felt like um, I had sort of dodged Cause it was always scary. It sounded scary. Like he would throw your stuff out the window or he would light <laughs> it on fire or he would, you know, just like be so gross
1: about it. And like, you know, just scary. It was theatrical for sure. He had a stamp that said bullshit on it and he'd use it every now and then. But, <laughs> but everyone knew that, that he had, he had, you know, he, he had proven himself as, as this kind of great, Creative mind in the thing that 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 they did really well. Yeah. And so um, a lot of people actually weren't taking the class like I was. Just like first introduction to advertising, they were at agencies probably not being used to their potential. Mm. And so they would they would take his class to just freshen up the book, get some better work out there, and try and you know wiggle out of whatever job they were in. I was I had no job in advertising. I was literally you know, trying to break into an agency. And, and um, by so, meeting
0: those people in the class, you sort of got a little, got a little taste of the different agencies out there. And and
1: we, uh, for Dan, Dan Morales's class, we went to Cliff Freeman and partners and just walked down the hall. And they used to put all the, you know, this, the, all, the, all the awards were just on the carpet along, along yeah. the hallway. And, mm-hmm. and you, you felt the creative energy in these places and you, you felt the pride in the work. It was it was really great and and so you get you get some wins there you build your book I got um, again uh, through through Arlene she another another guy that that was at Cliff for a while his name was John Paley he started a small agency called Decode back then and mm-hmm. they needed someone to just do anything uh, project manage account talk to the people like anything and I was like that's me like I'll take it I'll take it so I did everything and anything. For about five years, and and the whole this little agency was housed at Curious Pictures. Do you remember Curious Pictures? Uh-huh. Yeah. So it's 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 no longer with us, unfortunately. But it was the the largest animation company in New York City. It was on Astor Place mm-hmm. um, in East Village. Amazing. It was it was like Pee Wee's Playhouse, stop motion, the the original MTV branding, uh, stop motion all came out of Curious Pictures, and they had mm. they had just this incredible uh roster of of talent like mo willems if you're a parent you ever read the uh you know don't let the pigeon drive the bus that was him um you know tom warburton who who created Codename kids next door so they had tv shows you know he's a big disney director now like these guys were all bouncing around the halls boo wong who used to um run the creative the animation group she's she 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 was at the mill and psyop for a while she she does all this kind of like alternative, um, you know, uh, you know, AI based, um, you know, AR based um, storytelling now. So it's just like amazing minds all in one place. And here I am just like doing whatever it takes to develop a reel and a portfolio. Um, I made friends there, we would shoot spec spots, you know, I, I shot two things, we whenever the agency got a bit slow, we were basically built, as a hybrid like production agency model very scrappy we used all freelancers so so people that John knew like uh, Wayne best uh, would come through or Ernest Lupinacci um, mm-hmm. you know these guys that that were just like really good creatives that would yeah. come in and pinch hit freelance and he just had a stable of them and I was just trying to just learn from them and develop my own thing so if I did my day job then I could do creative work is basically. Yeah how I was clawing my way into getting a reel, getting a portfolio together, and then eventually just full-time creative. And how did you uh, get that job with John Paley? Uh, was nepotism. It- yeah, it was the, again, back to the girlfriend. Oh, uh, okay. Arlene knew John and when she yep. found out, like basically hire my boyfriend. So I'm, you know, my first job was, uh, was my buddy's dad. My second job was my girlfriend's friend. And my the, the 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 one job I got on my by myself was the next job I I had pulled together a reel, um, a couple spots from Partnership. For, remember Partnership for Drug Free America used to do these sure. amazing, you know, commercials. So so I shot one with uh, with a friend that I met there, Jerry Digby, who's a he's a director now uh, in L.A. And we shot a we shot a fish tank where the water was dropping. It was for for huffing like. Um, uh, you know, uh, what a sniffing glue yeah. and, and cleaning products. And, and it kind of makes you, you can drown, you can die from it. You know, it, it blocks your lungs. So we had mm. this fish tank where the water would drain out of it. So it was like one of my ideas, wow, we can shoot this ourselves and the stage of curious pictures. So, and we did that and we presented it to the partnership and they, they applauded. I'm like, I'm good at this. And then I was like, oh yeah, back to your day job. So I was yeah, yeah. just getting there slowly, but surely. And then eventually I, uh, I answered an ad and I said hey I think my work would be good for you and it was this agency called Uproar didn't know anything I I didn't know I had no ways in I didn't have like portfolio center I wasn't really connected I was just trying to get somewhere and I met with this guy uh, Eric Nelson in the lobby of a hotel I showed him what I had he showed me the kind of work they did and then he hired me it was it was owned by DDB it was a small little conflict agency that basically handled all of Hasbro's business. So and what is spent- a
0: conflict agency for people who don't know?
1: Well, it, it, it was, it was basically uh, within Omnicom, there were more than one agencies fighting each other for, for, for business. So, I don't know if it was so much a conflict, like conflict being like, yeah, you have two competing brands and you can't house them in the same agency. Right. This would would, would be more like of a conflict resolution agency, which is you three agencies are all part of the DDB Omnicom place. We're going to form, we're going to take all, everyone working on the Hasbro business, put it all under one agency so that you guys can all get along no more fighting, and then it became a, a very healthy relationship for years with Hasbro because we were basically tailored to their needs. You see it in right. Detroit a lot, right, with the car yep. the car industry. I was going to um, say so, that, yeah, yeah. So we were that for uh games and toys. Uh, I did a lot of work for Trivial Pursuit and Monopoly, all these board games that you know I grew up playing. So yeah. it was easy and fun. But they were a TV commercial factories. So for about four or five years we just churned out TV commercials. That's really where, you know, that the whole concept storyboard execution, p- production, post-production, that whole muscle really got developed at this, at this one place. And you're coming into focus here. You're, you're, so, you're coming up soon.
0: Oh yeah. Uh, that's, that's uh, my least favorite part is when I come in, but the, <laughs> uh the, the, so, so the, the, the John Paley agency, you weren't, you weren't happy there or you just felt like you were doing all kinds of jobs. So, and you wanted a creative job. Like what was the problem there? I'm just trying to figure out like your mindset of like, I need to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm looking around. Or was it just that you were there for a while and you just were.
1: Yeah, no, no problem. I I learned, I continue to pull lessons from that experience, but I was there five years. I mean, it was a good run. Yeah. And, um, And what I wanted to do, was to not have to worry about running a business or running an agency or, or dealing with anything. I wanted to just focus on creative. So that was that was really the motivation. But you know, John and I are still friends. You know, uh, you know a lot of people that I that that I bumped into in that in yeah. that time. You know, Simon Sinek before he became this massive. Oh wow, really? Yeah, he was he was a planner there. He he came in. We were doing a Broadway pitch, and he was brilliant. He came in. And he said, yeah, we were, you know, it was like the group of theater owners in Broadway. That was the, that was the brief. And he basically, he was just like, he looked at it differently. He said, they all need to come together and not fight each other or they're going to die as individuals. And, And it was just like, but that's not the brief, you know, but he just had a way already at that point, this was right before he, he, he did his Ted talk and and took off. It was, it was a blip and I'm sure he doesn't remember it at all, but these were, he, he he talks about being in advertising before, before
0: this. And, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. He was a planner. Yeah. It makes sense because that's what planners do. They, they sort of try to make you think about things in a different way. Right.
1: Exactly. And he was, Hmm. he, even in that short amount of time that I saw him think and operate, it was obvious that that he was operating on on kind of a different level, and um, I started working with a, a, a new partner that that was hired. Um, this this little kid, Mike Boyce, call him <laughs> Boyce, and uh, and and he was just just like a uh, he saw the whole world differently, and I was partnered with him. So here I am, kind of coming into the ad game, yeah, you know, in my own way. And uh, Mike and I spent a few years in the same room and, and social media was, was taking off and he was, he was all, he was, you know, younger than me and just all about it. I remember him introducing me to Instagram, him telling me, you know, Hey, here's a, here's a tweet of a job that you should, you should apply. And I'm like, well, what's, what's a tweet, you know, this was all happening. And so I, 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 uh, on the strength of the work that he and I did together, we both left you know, four or five years later, we both left the, the making TV business, TV commercial business. And we joined a place called deep folk, or I joined a place called deep focus. He went to co, which is, I think where Ty went after he left. I started,
0: right? Ty started co with, yeah, Rose, Rosemary Ryan and a couple other partners. Um, and uh yeah, so he went there. Mike Boyce went there.
1: So Mike went there and I went to deep focus, but before I did, is when Tom was introduced to Matt. And we had a, a mutual friend, one of my producers, Orit Bendori. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you met Orit, but she was one of our producers and she was actually just a brilliant writer. She sold screenplays to Hollywood. She she helps, you know, she has a, a business, uh, PitchSmith, I think.com. Yep. She has a business where she helps other writers present and sell their work. She She was helping me get the new job. And it's, as you know, if you're making TV commercials as good as they are within a category like games or toys, it's very hard to bounce into a a more general creative agency. So anything I, any opportunity, any meeting I would, could get, I would take. So she introduced me to you. Do you remember any of this? Yeah.
0: And you came over to JWT, right? You got it. Yeah. And and, uh, I think Ty was still there, right? Mike hadn't so, gone to Co yet. Ty was Ty, probably still there.
1: Ty was barely still there. So you were and 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 and, you know, I think this is just an important thing for everyone to know. Like there are definitely people that are helping you in ways you the the impact that you have on someone who's trying to make it in in advertising or as a creative, hmm. those people are so thirsty for help that that any little thing you do is super meaningful. So what you did is, number one, you, you took the meeting. Number two, you took a lot of time. We sat in like a booth in a cafeteria kind of thing. Yep. And you were focused on me and you looked at my stuff and we had a conversation. We met for the first time, told me a bit about the things you were excited about that you're working on. And we left there and you said, you know what? You know, it was great to meet you let me try to get you in here. And then I, and I I floated away. And I was just like, I was so happy to have had that person kind of like reach out a hand to try to pull me out of, you know, making TV commercials for for board games. Yeah. And, and into a place like Jay Walter that that you can just, you know, start to grow, you need, you need the ceiling to kind of move sometimes. Yeah. And, and then Ty left and then you left and everyone left and it didn't go anywhere but it was still it was still really meaningful and i think you just passed my book on and then whoever was there you know that was it it was just kind of a, a dead lead but it was still yeah I don't remember no, it no it's later. it's
0: uh you never know what you can do for someone um but yeah i liked you a lot and i liked uh, i liked you I liked, like, I don't remember your book at all, but I, I, I liked you. You're not the typical creative. You were a mechanical engineer. Then you were whatever they needed you to be at, at your first agency. And then you took a job at, at Uproar where you're making, you know, game and toy ads, which is, yeah, that's a pigeonhole situation that you, you could get into, but you did it and you did it great. And you did, you may probably made dozens of commercials, right? Like, and you got really good at
1: production. So we we pro- I probably made a hundred commercials. It was insane. wow. We were, we were a factory. Kind of what made it strong, also was its weakness. So so Mike and I, when we were working together, we both knew this was this was uh, a stepping stone, and we wanted to kind of be part of what was happening out there. Mm. And and actually, uh, my 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 son was born, and I was there. So I'm thinking myself. I need to have a longer career here. Like if I just make TV commercials and social media, you know, back then everyone was worried what what is social media gonna do to right. traditional advertising? So this is
0: 12 years ago. <laughs> People were saying the exact same thing. And it, and it's still and not they hold damned. on to
1: it, right? That yeah. if you you make great TV commercials and there's an art to that, yeah. then you want to hold on to that. And and there is a time and a place for everything. I really yeah. I really learned that, um, you know, in in my next job, I went from from uproar DDB to this place called Deep Focus. So I I was able to, on the strength of you know we 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 remember they would say integrated campaign or three sixty. So we did a we did a, a a TV commercial for Trivial Pursuit. They had a team edition, so we did our TV commercial. But there was always an opportunity to upsell. That's another thing, upsell if you can just do something more. Clients are looking to be inspired by their agencies. Mm-hmm. So we upsold and we said, what if we, instead of just promoting this game, what if we launched the big idea is the trivial pursuit experiment. And we had all these ways that the experiment was going to manifest itself. Mm. One of them was, was to find out once and for all who's smarter than who boys or girls, right? <laughs> so it's this provocative question yeah. And that's the, the two biggest teams in the world could be the mm-hmm. boys and the girls. At least that's the way we were thinking back then. Yes. So we wanted to put that question into a card, just just you know, like seated in the in the in the in the in the game. And then it's controversial. And we created a, a website that was translated in like 15 or 20 languages, and the world could basically play trivial pursuit on this website, and we tallied the score globally. It was a, it was an amazing execution and idea mm. and on the strength of stuff like that, that came out of a TV only shop. We got shortlisted at Cannes. I'm like, we we're, were looking around like, where's, where's the parade? Like, where are we going to praise? We took this like. Toy this was an uproar or
0: this was at the, yeah, we yeah, yeah, uproar yeah.
1: shortlisted at Cannes. That's great. That work, which was amazing but the parade never came. We were just back to making commercials right after. So there is,
0: there is no parade. When you, even if you win, you don't get a parade. You get a now. I guess you get all these LinkedIn posts and things. But there's, there's no parade. There's no parade.
1: <laughs> never. does it doesn't mean you shouldn't try? But you, you should know, always
0: try. So what kind of experience did you have at Deep Focus? What was that like?
1: So then, so then I make this jump from to deep focus was um like it was a it was born in the digital age it was a social media creative agency hmm. and they did um do you remember like elf yourself do you remember this yeah, of this, course like yeah. you know so my, my so, friend
0: justin ginek worked on that i believe yeah
1: so so yeah. deep focus did a Mad Men yourself knockoff of elf yourself it doesn't oh, have a okay. ring but like Yes. It was like, it was like, as these really cool things were happening, like golf yourself and digital build things. And it was fun. Deep focus was like, all right, we're in that game too. So they had a lot of entertainment properties. They had some Purina accounts. And so I'm jumping into this social agency that was just like, I couldn't understand half of what they were saying. They would say like, I didn't know what a KPI was right so I would just like write KPI on on a piece of paper I'm like I gotta look that up um and then but at the same time half of what they were struggling with I could immediately identify and fix so they hired me as a creative director and we started to kind of you know rally the creative department have an identity find opportunities and um, you know they wanted to do more video. I was like, I've done a ton of video. I want to learn the rest of it also. So we we had some 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 interesting wins. Like Purina was an account. Beneful is this um, dog food brand that we did a lot of work with. So one of the one of the briefs that came, we we're like, well, we have a hundred thousand uh, dollars. We just want to do something cool. I'm like, this is a good brief, guys. <laughs> it's like we can't let this one go by. So we 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 ultimately sold and and produced uh, like the first ever uh, Rube Goldberg machine powered by dogs, and and it was just like we call it you know Dog Goldberg whatever you know dumb name but it was an amazing video Johnny Samurad, do you know him from Quiet yeah. Man yeah, yeah so he shot he shot this thing I mean I love Johnny he's just just he's such a genius but we created this you know, Rube Goldberg machine, the whole thing was powered by dogs. And it it went bananas, like the press, everyone picked it up. It went truly viral. It went, it was like, every time you would refresh YouTube, it was like 100,000 views, 400,000 views, a million views, 3 million views. We're like, holy moly, it was up to like 10, 12 million views. You know, it was, it was, it was just, it was just like, you know, clean up the awards and this whole thing. And we're like, I had to fight with this CFO, not fight, but discuss why we would want to take that money and go out of house with it. Because a lot of digital and social agencies are, are keeping the money in house, right? They, they have their own makers in house Mm. and that's how, how it works. Whereas traditional agencies will like have an out-of-pocket production budget and be able to go and partner with people like Johnny. So, you know, we had, I had to like educate a little bit on, on a different way of doing things. And then we would have these big wins. We we launched a we launched a content studio while I was there, and I just started inviting all the great people that I had met anywhere that that would fit into this to this environment. I just I was like patient zero. I was the first one there, but but so many of the people that I had met in the previous ten years, I'm like, you want in? You want in? There's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here, and and so we kind of grew the agency. We we ended up doubling in size twice in, in a couple of years, we won wow. the free Lay account, we pitched in one free Lay account, we grew our Nestle, we were doing like 10 brands at Nestle, we were, were doing like 10 brands at Pernod Ricard. So like we were just growing so fast that, um, you know, we almost couldn't keep up with the, the, you know, the, you know, the, the need for proper, you know process and talent. So it was <laughs> an interesting journey. We went up to like a couple hundred people, crashed back down, um and then and then eventually um, we had the opportunity to pitch HBO. So this is this was like a, a if we didn't win HBO, I don't know if 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 I'm if the story ends and and where it goes. Right. But we we pitched HBO. Uh, we won their their social account. We started doing projects with them and and then it was back to the races. It was amazing. So So what
0: was the thing about HBO that, that made it uh, what was the campaign that that broke
1: out? What were the pieces? So so HBO had become a little bit of, of like a, a, a peddler of trailers. So like if you followed HBO on Twitter or Instagram, you were basically just getting, you know, tune in to this show or here's a trailer. There was no uh, there was no voice. There was no point of view. There was no, you know, personality. There was no reason to follow other than like almost like a TV guide. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And they wrote a great brief. They wanted to bring kind of the essence of the brand into social. And and the interesting thing about social is that it wasn't built for brands. Right. Social media was built for people. And so anything a brand does in social media is 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 like an alien coming into a land that was not built for them. So 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 we basically had uh, had pitched this like we wanted to. We knew we were going to write tweets and, and posts and stuff like that. But if you if you compared, you know, HBO's programming was so amazing for so long, and and they basically would change culture, right? They would just all of these shows like Sex and the City, Sopranos you know, Kirby Enthusiasm, all of these shows were, would just basically throw out the rule book. So we were like, well, we're not going to write shows, but we're going to write tweets. So like, let's write the best tweet. Like our tweets have to be as good as tweets as Game of Thrones is as a show. And and so we just, we set like a really high bar for what we were going to do in that in that medium. And so we wanted to change you a little bit. If we made you smile, if we made you think, then that our job was done and then on to the next. So we we did this for, for HBO. Um, we we eventually won. I think the hardest award that that we've ever won was was best brand on social webby. It's such a hard award to win because you have to be consistent. So we so had, how did you do have, that? How do you how do you uh, build that? You basically instead of having like a traditional linear model where you might have a creative team with, you know, art and copy and maybe a CD over them and strategy is going to feed them something to do and account's going to help sell it and producers can make it. You basically create one team, one big team that has editorial strategy that works with creative but but there's there's you need you know project managers to work and and posters you need to have a stream that's going to make the, the low touch concept if you're just writing tweets you don't need the art but if you're going to design something or crop images then you need design to come in then you're going to make videos or mm-hmm. ig stories and you you basically have to create almost like this intricate machine like a combustion engine but where mm. people are in the places and when you turn it on it, it kind of outputs, uh, it, you know. It, it's fed with like a monthly editorial calendar of opportunities and insights and priorities, and then it, it just starts to output systematically the, the 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 low touch, the medium touch, the the high touch, like all of this work. So if that makes any sense, it's it's just like you know, it's just a more complicated looking org chart, mm-hmm. but everyone has to know that 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 they have a role to play and they have to be super collaborative. You have to kind of look to your left and to your right and make sure that, you know, you're, you're doing your part, but you're also willing to help out if, you know, and sometimes it's not perfect, but you've got to keep moving. So you never are going to, you know, we were doing at that time, we were doing about 50 pieces of content a month and, uh, for one handle across mostly Twitter and Instagram. And so, um, and, and this is this is this is a, this is an indication if you if your machine is properly built that those ideas that are coming out of it are have the potential to blow up on social because you know organic social does have that potential things mm. can go viral they can be super engaging they can get picked up by by celebrities or by press or by brands and then all of a sudden you know you've you've kind of put that brand. In a position for the people to lift it up. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's kind of the way I, I like to think about, like, if, if I were to say, like, what is, what is a great role for creative to play in brands is to move brands into a position for people to lift it up because ads are not going to build brands. They're not going to make you love, you, you might love the ad. So right we try to move these brands into the world of what people are enjoying on social media. Don't act like an alien, act like a human and give them an opportunity to lift up that brand. So one of the 50 ideas one month was for the Sopranos 10th uh, anniversary. Like it was, it was the, you know, everyone loves the Sopranos. You're a Jersey guy. I'm a Jersey guy. Mm -hmm. You know, Sopranos is this legendary show. So the idea was pretty simple on 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 one day on the anniversary we were going to give you a mob nickname and all you had to do was tell us your first name. So it was simple, right? I mean that, everyone gets that right away. I'm going to get a mob nickname from HBO to celebrate Sopranos. Uh yeah. sorry, something 20th anniversary so yeah we we end up um, we end up doing it on on the morning it was one of 50 ideas we had for that month but this one happened to be a little bit of a call and response so we're ready to make a few teams you know do it for the morning and call it a day so we we started the clients were even like oh is that today okay cool let us know how it goes and we'll see how it goes we'll be we'll be watching and it just, it blows up, Tom, you know? And it was, rog-
0: it, you hadn't built like an algorithm or, or something to, to make it uh, automated. You were just gonna, as they come in, you were just gonna come up with stuff or you had a list.
1: Well, how does it work? Yeah, no, great question. Again, it's like we built a little people powered call and response machine. We had writers and we had a template, uh, Sopranos branded, you know, art card power uh you know like a, a Photoshop doc that a couple designers had access to mm-hmm. uh, clients approved that ahead of time and we had a, a, a system in place we we're all on slack with the clients and we basically would identify the the tweets that would come in asking for an, uh, for a mob name we would we would do a quick background check on them find out like how much of a following they they, they had. Um, we would we would write uh, we, we would if it, if it got through that those kind of checkpoints, it would go to like a pool of writers, including art directors, by the way, it was everyone was writing names, they were all going in slack and then our creative director, um, Ashley Tyra, who, by the way, you should talk to. Um, she's amazing. She's now the head of voice at Twitter, um, oh, but you would be there to kind of like, pick the winner that would get put in an art card. And then it would, it would, it would, it would then get, 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 you know, and then it's published to Twitter and we would do this. We did it 120 times, you know, in, in the space of, of a, like a working day. Right. Um, The thing is it took off for, for, it was organic. No one was, there was no, all the brands asked for nicknames, you know, Wendy's of course, and all these brands that are, BBC was asking for it, but the celebrities came Lin-Manuel Miranda asked for a name. Uh, macaulay culkin roger federer the, we're like what's happening the whole thing blew up on twitter That's so incredible. of course it, at a certain point it was just we were writing nicknames for celebrities like uh like i remember the 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 roger federer we called him the feds which is which is as simple and brilliant as it gets but it wasn't it wasn't a writer it was an art director who wrote it you know yeah and, yeah and we just did it and then as it blew up, we were just looking at ourselves and, and and we knew that we wanted to leave the party before it was like over. We wanted right. to leave people wanting more. So we had to find out how do we stop this thing? There were like 22, 23,000 comments, names, like everyone wanted a name. And so uh, the ending was 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 brilliant. Famously, you know how the the end of The Sopranos, you know, kind of cuts to black, no one knows yeah. what happened. Water cooler talk. The next day, it was bananas. So we basically just posted a black frame and stopped, and <laughs> and that itself went bananas. So it was just one long Twitter thread that again got us shortlisted at can and, and stuff like that. So it was like it was like these kind of like this is not traditional advertising. Yeah, this is like linear. You get a brief, you come up with an idea, you make it, and then you you get pe- you pay people to watch it. It was just a different way of, of thinking. Um, And now you're at, uh, now you're at engine, right? So, yeah. So engine used to be the holding company of deep focus. Some of the people that I first went, when I first left DDB and went to deep focus, a few of those people are still with me and we're still working together. This is, this is 10 years later. It's unheard amount of time for, For some creatives to to be together. And we've also had an interesting kind of boomerang effect where people that I've worked with at other agencies have worked with me either at Deep Focus or Upper or both have gone and taken on other jobs and then have come back because we've just been growing and it's been a really healthy, exciting environment. We're winning business. That's great. How do uh, how do people send
0: you their uh, their books and things and and so that you can start their careers and
1: get them out of uh, engineering? <laughs> yeah, pay, pay it forward. So the uh, the the end of the story, and this is this is all very recent. Actually, was just announced at at Can was that uh, engine uh has now become big village so you gotta you gotta keep along keep keep up with me here. Oh I
0: didn't yeah I didn't know that that's news literally we're breaking
1: we're breaking right now. This is breaking news. Uh anyway uh, big village uh big village is the the US component of uh of uh of, of, of engine um, which which is more than just an agency. There's there's a, there's an ad exchange tech tech. There, there's marketing technology. There's global insights and all these things. That's become a big village because engine which which originated in in the UK, but the, the engine has been been sold off. So we we've kind of been been chopped and and sold. So the big village uh, entity still exists. We're just the same uh, with a new name. Yeah, And uh, on we go, but yeah, uh, you know, I think it's just LinkedIn might be the way to go. Okay. Um, just, just, uh, LinkedIn or, or, you know, Matt.steinwald at, at, uh, probably both engine group or, or at, uh, big dash village.com, you know, just, uh, you know, listen, uh, people have been really good to me. People have looked out for me and, and it's one of those things that I love to do is to look out for people as best I can.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. And you're awesome. And I, and I love your, your story and I uh, love your brain. I like how you think about stuff and I like how you keep it, you keep it fun and you keep it simple and it's never, it never feels like, uh, it never feels like engineering with you. It always, (laughs) uh, it always feels really fun. So, uh, so thanks for telling
1: us your story, Matt. Thank you. And thank you for um, swaddling me in in like a blanket of your uh, interviewing skills. I think, uh, you know, I've been listening to all of these from the beginning till till now. And you got really good at this. You got really good, really fast. So, uh, oh, thanks,
0: man. Yeah, no. uh, Shutting up. That's that's the key. (laughs) And I'm going to shut up right after I say thank you to Matt Steinwald for coming on. And thank you to you for listening to this podcast and for subscribing and for sharing it with a friend. Come on, share it with a friend. Uh, And uh, by the way, Ad House classes, they're happening. So February 15th, that's like very soon. So register. Mike and Mike's class is great. Paul Fix's class is great. They're both great classes. You're going to love it. Do it. MadHouseNYC.com. From anywhere in the world, you can Zoom. We've had people from Korea. We've had people from Australia. We've had people from...